I wasn't like that excited about life. I wasn't like, I'm up at four. I'm going to go for a run. I was like, I can't believe I'm up at four. I was like, oh man, if Mark sees me liking something this early, he's definitely going to call me out on it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Whiskey Topic. My name is Mark Bylock. And I'm Jamie Johnson. And today we're going to review Spirit of Toronto, a very popular whiskey event in our city. Yeah, we were there just a couple days ago, hung out a little bit, drank some whiskey. Yeah, and I mean not to not to under, not not to put down any other whiskey events, but Spear of Toronto is particularly special. It is um uh it's not your typical event where you just have the usual uh people at the event pouring whiskey. It's uh it's got its own little feel and it's got its own community around it. Um, it's definitely a very popular event in Toronto, but people do fly in from around the world to attend uh, Spirit of Toronto. I'm probably exaggerating. They probably fly out from around Toronto within like a three-hour flight radius, let's say. Because um, I think you the, really uh, pulled back on that one. You're like, yeah, I, I think um. <laughs> uh, maybe not around the world, but you know, there's been guys, people from Virginia and um, and New York and. Boston. I think somebody from Miami attended uh, Spirit of Toronto once that I met. So anyway, there, there, there's a, there's you know there's people from outside of Toronto. There was Ottawa was there. That was as far as I think I saw. <laughs> but hey, you uh, can fly from Ottawa, so you're you're not like totally wrong about flying in from places like you it's can like a 45 be. minute flight. Let's just yeah. have time to get up somewhere and get down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we begin, though, let's what whiskey are you drinking, Jamie? Let's uh, start with there. Uh, I am to your delight i'm sure drinking a single malt scotch the balvenie doublewood oh very nice yes. i like that I like yes that. 12 years 12 years old aged in bourbon casks and then um transferred to sherry casks Finished a little extra flavoring casks. yeah it's great i actually really really like this one for like a a regular everyday pour like it's uh got those when you from the sherry cast it's got those like plum sort of notes sort of that dark fruit so yeah i really like this one yeah the um and double wood is an interesting drink i think it's probably my favorite in that 12 year 10 to 12 year range mm-hmm. um in that kind of widely available affordable area mm-hmm. uh they do a really uh really excellent job it's uh it's one of the first to finished whiskeys in the world uh from scotland back in i think the 70s or 80s something like that uh but from a while ago um they would you know first develop this pro this process of having whiskey and bourbon and then converting it to uh, european oak barrels and uh to give it a little bit more of a complex palate I think uh, Glen Morengi and uh, Belvini are are uh, the two that started that trend uh, way back in the eighties. It's a very smart idea. It just gives it so much. It gives it such a kind of a cool structure, and it's 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 really nice. It's really different. I really enjoy it. Well, I mean, different from a bourbon, which I usually drink. But so I'm 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 making my way into single malts. It's kind of slowly and and just seeing how it goes i'm dipping my toe in so in the last week i've acquired two. Oh, what else did you get i got the aberlauer abunda abunda <coughs> yeah yes. however you say it i'm I, I wish i could i wish i could like sound like a scottish person when i said it because they just it rolls off their tongue so nicely with my awkward canadian accent it does not sound so cool but anyways it's fantastic i love it and that's that the uh, cast strength one? 
Yep. I, hate, I can't can't say the name, but uh, but it is memorable. I guess that's the whole point. You don't have to really say it; you just have to see it on the label. Yes, exactly. Is and what are you drinking? What's going on in your glass? It'll be a, probably a little bit of a theme for tonight uh, for today's podcast. But I am drinking the Nikai whiskey single cask coffee malt whiskey from 1998. It's a single barrel. Uh, bottled at 57%, uh, about 15 years old, give or take. Uh, there's no way statement on the bottle, but it just has the uh, bottling date and uh, cast date. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a special single uh, malt that I, uh, that I got. And uh, yeah, it's really, um, it's very much like the kind of sherry notes, uh, very like it's deep and rich and delicious. It's got enough um, energy with that high alcohol content that it gives you, you know, that, that the sweetness of the drink is nicely ba- nicely balanced, nicely complemented with that sharpness of the alcohol. I think that works out really well. You know, we're, we're big fans. Jamie and I are big fans of cast drink stuff, and this is uh, in that ballpark of it's just got a lot of flavor. I think you've had this in my place before, Jamie. I, I think don't... so. I th- and I th- um, So wait. It, does it have anything to do with coffee? I think people might be like, what? Coffee malt? It sounds like something that you could make a cool coffee whiskey with, but there's no, there's no coffee in it. No, and I feel like, um, I, I think somebody somewhere is distilling coffee. I feel like that's something I need to look up because that sounds delicious. Mm, it does sound delicious. So when you say coffee, is it co- spelled like coffee or is it E-Y? No, it's the EY. So okay. it's spelled C O F F E Y. And a great point, Jamie. That's uh, the this is um, named after the person that um, invented the stills, largely used in producing of whiskey, the coffee stills. Perfect. Um, and that's it. That's uh, cool. so. That's the name behind it. Um, coffee stills are are pretty interesting because you know where they have your. Your, your traditional uh, kind of old-fashioned stills that aren't all that efficient. Coffee stills are super efficient, but nice thing about them is you can, you can tone down the efficiency. So when we say efficient, I mean it, it's going to give you um, – you can make it so that you can barely taste any grains. So you can make it taste more like vodka because uh, you're just removing all those grain flavors. Coffee stills are very – you know you can kind of tone it down so you can have a lot of grain f- uh, flavor in the, in the distillant. Um, and you can control a lot of that, so that's a that's a nice nice uh, perk to have, and it's they are also highly efficient and and everything else. But yeah, it's a fantastic, um, really. I mean, I really enjoyed. It. I think as being a single uh, cast whiskey from like single malt, uh, it has that complexity that I'm looking for. It's um, you know, it's but it is a simpler drink. It's certainly not you know, it's certainly not a highly complex drink, but it has a wonderful finish, beautiful start. Um, cannot cannot tell it's 57 percent alcohol. It's just Smooth, smooth, smooth. Uh, in that uh, in that capacity, it's a really nice drink. Awesome. Sounds like we're both having a great time with our drinks. <laughs> Indeed. So, Spirit of Toronto. I mentioned that um, whiskey from Japan might become a theme for tonight, mostly because the uh, Spirit of Toronto every year has a different theme. Um, it has like a main kind of area where they do something big and so last year their big thing was all smoky smoky whiskeys i mean they had these super rare bottlings from that were you know either only purchasable at the distilleries or were really rare releases um and they would just have you know maybe 12 to 14 different bottles of really rare whiskeys you would not normally have and they would just pour them until they ran out um and that's what they do every year uh pretty much um, and this year it was the uh, it was a bunch of whiskey from Japan. 
Yeah, it was when we went upstairs, which is where they were keeping that Japanese whiskey. It was like a mob scene. It was. It was. We. It, it was purposeful. I don't know if it was purposefully, but it was seemed like it was out in the middle of nowhere. You, there were no signs pointing you to where to go, and you were just kind of like, where, where is this place? And you finally find it, and there's a mob scene for two reasons. First of all, they had sushi there, and everybody goes crazy over sushi. I mean, like, boom, line up for sushi. Then they had these, like, really fantastic cocktails. I never tried any of the sushi. never tried any of the cocktails. No, you were, like, you were <laughs> staying put. I watched you when I was over getting cocktails because I have zero patience when it comes to this sort of thing. So I was like, what can I get that there's no lineup? <laughs> and then I look over, and you have, like, parked yourself. And I, he's like, he's going to stay there until until each bottle finishes and the new one comes out. I was like, if we leave, Mark will still be here. We come back and get him. It will be four hours later. He will still be here. So uh, you had a good spot staked out. It got it got a little intense, though. I had to opt out. I got a, I got two pours um, of some really great stuff. One of them was the coffee um, grain. Uh, and then I can't remember what the other one was. So I guess... I guess that was bad on me to not remember what the other well, one that I got was. Well, to be oh, fair, geez. these bottles were uh, all, they were all from, uh, with exception of one, they were all from Japan. There was very little English on the bottle. There was just like, you know, uh, Yamaka, you know, there's like Centauri or Nikai or, or whatever. There's like the name was in English, but everything else was pretty much in Japanese. Yeah. Okay. So that makes me feel better. So I got two pours on my own, and then I had to leave. I was honestly, I have been to, I, I wrote this on Twitter, I've been to boy band concerts that, where I got elbowed less than during this. Like, it was exceptionally intense. So I sort of opted out of it, um, but I was really lucky. So what ended up happening was, so they they brought out the 2013 um the uh, Yamazaki the sherry cask which is it was like the big one this is the yeah. one that everybody was waiting for so but they stopped serving for a couple minutes before they brought it out and Trent my husband was at sort of the front of the line so he was like I'm not going anywhere until this bottle gets opened mm -hmm. and so he left a, a little sip in his glass so that I could try it too which was like so nice because I was already downstairs drinking something else and I texted him I was like I had to leave it was too much <laughs> so it was really nice that he did that so or else I would not have had uh, a taste of it and it was great yeah my uh, my friend Giselle and now we'll, we'll put the photo in the show notes oh the, um, the, we'll the yeah photo the photo is fantastic yeah when that yeah Yamazaki 2013 Sherry Cast came out it was it was intense and um I, I won't say it was intense. It was there were people super pushy and shovey, at least in that because I think I was on the other side. Um, what, what what happened there is uh, those of us that wanted to taste it kind of moved over to the right side, and I think we were very kind of polite on that right side. We knew we were probably going to get some. I was you know like three rows in or something, uh, but then that center area was just very very uh, pushy because if once you were in the back in the center area, you were in a lot of trouble. Um, and uh, so that 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 came out, and of course, this is the one that uh, Jim Murray labeled as the uh, best whiskey of 2015, and the Whiskey Bible. Um, it's was selling for a lot of money beforehand. Once that uh, once it won that number one whiskey award, it 
uh, was selling for something like a thousand dollars for a tiny bore of that whiskey. People that had the bottles were just like literally just little samplers. We're sending out little samplers for a thousand dollars. Um, I kind of trolled uh, Jim Murray on, on, well, not that Jim Murray, we use my Twitter account, but I kind of trolled uh, Jim Murray by saying, ah, it's probably the third best whiskey I tried on that booth. Oh my God. <laughs> which, which, is, which is true, which is actually 100% true. There were a lot of really good whiskeys. Because um, like, like I said, Jamie, I kind of parked myself between two booths. I had a little spot and I just kept trying everything, um, uh, trying all these different whiskeys. And... Uh, you know, again, these were a lot of rare, rare bottlings. Um, one of them, I think my favorite was, uh, now I don't know, uh, again, we don't know, really know what the name of it is. It's the Nakai uh, Salty PD uh, whiskey. I uh, got which, a sample of that too. I got yeah. a sample. It was great. So it, it, great. It, it was so delicious. Um, it had, I mean, first of all, it's peated. So you knew I like that. It was actually nicely peated, but it was, it was kind of sweet it had the i mean it certainly had that kind of salty whatever characteristics to it but mostly it was just a very uh fantastic interesting drink had flavor all the way through like you talk about construction of a whiskey and the story tells um it hit you with a lot of flavor up top right at the front of your palate but then it just all these waves of flavors came through that 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 kind of the vanilla saltiness kind of came through towards the middle and then ah uh, the peatiness was just around around and around and as you know you enjoyed all that the um uh, it just worked so well. Um, we managed to get like four or five sips of that, so that was uh, that was quite memorable. Um, a lot of so there were a lot of interesting drinks there that uh, demonstrate what they're doing in Japan. But uh, certainly the salted and peated uh, one is, from as far as I can tell, is only available at uh, the distillery. So it's not something you can buy outside of the distillery. Um, the, um, other, I think out of all the ones we tried, only one is available in Canada. Um, and it's like a $180 Japanese whiskey and by far not a star. Um, again, don't know the name cause it was Japanese bottling and who knows, but it wasn't, it wasn't even the star of the event, um, uh, for, for $180. Um, so yeah, that, that was really interesting and they all did have, I mean, Jamie, you would agree. I think they, they all kind of had like a single malt, like the, the, you can see the Scottish influences in their whiskeys. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, I mean, yeah. If you put a Japanese whiskey and, and a single malt like next to each other, I, I like a Scottish single malt, I wouldn't be able to, I probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No, it's, I don't think so. Yeah. It would be really, really hard. Um, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Japanese learned how to make their whiskey from the Scottish. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Long history there uh, with uh, with Nikai and Centauri um, and um, and how they the, the original whiskey maker uh, in Japan uh, went to Scotland, married a Scottish woman, came back to Japan and started making whiskey and eventually broke out and make his, made his own company. Uh, so that's how that's how we have two. Uh, main producers in Japan. Yeah. Do they, and so there is two main producers. Is there, are there any, um, like, I know we just loathe, we can talk about this a little later using the word craft, but are, are there more distilleries that are coming out there or is it just, there's such a monopoly on the market right now with those? No, two? no, they do have, um, I, when I was in, um, in the uh, whiskey show in London last year, I tried some a smaller, crafty, like smaller produced uh, Japanese whiskey. Like we don't even want to use the word good. craft anymore. We're like the uh, crafty, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't want to get sued. Don't call it craft. 
we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about craft whiskey <laughs> later, but um, no, um, but yeah, you really don't want to, um, but they were really, there were smaller shows that they do make uh, whiskey, but um, as far as I know, um, in Japan, the whiskey is in such high demand. So for example, one thing we had available here, the Yochi 12, it was a single malt uh, whiskey from Japan. That one um, is in such high demand that it used to be available, you know, in the U.S., in the U.K., in Canada, um, and now it's just it's just a product. It's like the Elmer T. Lee. Now it's just just available in Japan. Um, you know that that's that's how big it's gotten there. Um, and Yochi Twelve was a very nice whiskey. I mean, it's by no my, no means the best of Japanese whiskey. It's more like a you know it's more of the mass produced common more common whiskey. The one thing that Japan does really well, which I like, is they have uh, multiple, each like Centauri and Nikkei have multiple distilleries, but what they do is they'll have their, their single malts, their, like, their the whiskeys from one distillery that's 100% malted barley, and then they'll have their blended malts, so they'll use a couple of different distilleries, and they'll provide certain flavors, and they'll blend them, so it's still a a malt, 100% malted barley, but they'll blend different flavors. And that's kind of, you know, how they get the partially peated whiskeys is they'll be, you know, they'll come part, part of that whiskey will come from distillery that makes peated whiskey. And then the other parts will come uh, from, you know, American aged oak uh, barrels or European aged oak barrels. And they, they blend all these things together to provide you with a whiskey of character. I, I think it's a great, great way to go. So there are there no Japanese whiskeys available at the LCBO for us? Um, there's the one, but it's um, but not, it's not, not my favorite. your favorite. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I think, but this is an interesting conversation about how laws and the way things are defined and marketing makes a difference, right? Because in Scotland, you would never have two distilleries blend their product together. You wouldn't have like Glenfiddich and Balvini aren't going to blend their product together and and make a hybrid because now it's a blended. It's no longer a single malt Scotch. Um, you can that that the value of that whiskey really deteriorates very quickly. It might be delicious, but there's no like marketing presence because of the way culturally and legally single malt scotch is defined. It has to come from one distillery. It has to be 100 percent malted barley. In Japan, because they're starting with the you know they started with a brand new sort of market and a brand new way of doing things. Uh, from this point of view, they're able to release these really fantastic blended malts that are delicious and take advantage of their different distilleries and put together a great product. Um, in Scotland, you would just get a blended scotch, which would have, you know, uh, malted barley, corn, you know, wheat, whatever, uh, and they would blend it into uh, like a cheaper product, right? I'm always fascinated by these, like, how do the laws and culture affect the whiskey that we taste and how what we perceive we're having? Yeah, like... Well, when you just said that, like, Glenfiddich and the Balvini wouldn't blend their products together, which I see, like, I mean, so much of it is rooted in tradition as well. So, but, I mean, isn't that a marketing opportunity, kind of a little bit, to make a whiskey that is, comes from, well, I mean, I guess you could do it even... Don't listen to me anymore. I'm just thinking out loud. These business ideas just come to me so quickly, and I'm just going to try to capitalize on them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm You're going to be like, big whiskey. Big I know. Blended I was like, whiskey. you could do like a partnership between, you know, two distilleries and like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's actually a terrible idea. So just forget I said anything. <laughs> 
No, no, but it's, it's but it's true because you do have they'll have like a grant, uh, you know, Grant's family reserve is technically a blend of Belvini okay. and Glenfiddich. Got it. But it's also got corn in it, and right, you know, and so it's it's like a cheaper product. It's your, you know, it's like half the price of the double with twelve. Um, and, and you know, in Japan, the the blended malts are cheaper than the single malts, but not by much. And also, they're they're higher quality product because they're still um, you know, the ones I'm speaking of are still 100% malted barley versus, you know, I mean, blend, blended scotch like Johnny Walker's and Grant's Family Reserves and Famous Grouse uh, are good whiskeys. Um, but you can tell that corn, right? There's always that kind of little mm-hmm. muted middle. Mm-hmm. They all kind of taste the same. They, they start different. They finish different. But they all kind of taste the same at a certain point. So you can generally taste when you're standing uh, blend. So it's, um, it's, it's, I guess that's more what I mean. You wouldn't. You could blend, and they do blend these uh, distilleries together, but they're always like a blend of corn and no longer 100% single single malts. Right, right. Or malt, 100% malted barley, rather. Hmm. Well, there goes my business idea. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I have like six business ideas a day, and so this is not this is not atypical for me. Last night, my business idea, just to go off on a little side note, last night, my business idea was for when you're having a bad day to get like a bad day box delivered to your house with like a fluffy pillow and a blanket and like some (laughs) cupcakes and a bottle of wine. And (laughs) I think it's brilliant. Anyways, that's just another, you know, in the last 24 hours, just coming up with these crazy business ideas. I think you should give that idea to Uber. I think that's a great, uh, you know, right. Uber could just have drivers with all that stuff in the trunk and just be like, I need the comfort. I edition. need the bad day box. Like, get bad get day it box. To me. And Uber will come in and just deliver that to you, just like they were doing the whole uh, the puppy, puppy thing. delivery. They could add a puppy in there if they wanted. I mean, not to keep, <laughs> just to pat on the head a little bit. And then, yeah, oh, that's nice. Anyway, so that's my big business idea. But, but back to the spirit of Toronto. Um, yeah, the Japanese whiskey section was uh, was pretty intense for me. I'm I'm like somewhat crowd averse, so for me, anytime I'm in a, a crush of gentlemen in suits, uh, I start to get a little uncomfortable and heated, and so I had to peace out. And actually, but when I peaced out, I went down the stairs, and there was this really cool booth from I think it was called Union Local. Um, and they're a restaurant in Ottawa and they were doing some one-off bottles that they had um, this little there's this display called Canadian or rye so I guess they were doing a little education session around you know Canadian whiskey versus rye and how they're not always the same and so I went down there and they had um, I heard I overheard some guy say oh I heard you have an auction bottle and the woman who was pouring pointed at this one and she said, oh yeah, it's this one. So I didn't catch the whole story, but I did take a picture of the bottle. Um, So it was called Weiser's Oldest. It was a blended Canadian whiskey, 18 years old. Um, I uh, I don't see... I cannot remember. I believe she said it was bottled in the 50s or something like that. So, yeah, and they got this one bottle at auction, and they brought it to the show. Uh, and next to it, they had um, Willet, Fourier, and on the other side, they had Masterson's. And so they were pouring all three of these, and I was just happy to stand over there and 
breathe some, some fresh air and not be jostled and and then uh you guys came and were able to sample those ones too but i was actually a, a fan of that weiser's oldest the blended canadian whiskey super old but it was really cool to to get to try it yeah this is one of those whiskeys you can barely find online um i found one that was uh distilled in 1941 and bottled in 1959 that, that might have been the one it could have been it or i could be wrong and it could have been bottled in the 80s i don't know <laughs> no you're, you're right and we, we don't know <laughs> but it was uh it was it was it was particularly good i i think the um if you look at whiskey events you know the one nice perk is you will generally in a good whiskey event find something you can't find anywhere else and that's a treat uh, that's certainly a big treat. Um, I know uh, on the Wiser's front, uh, we were handed a drink that um, was a, like a experimental batch that hasn't even been released yet, and something that a that a company wants to a Canadian whiskey distillery wants to release. I, you know, like doing things like that is and experiencing that is really great. Um, uh, the big, big, big pro of whiskey events, and then uh, yeah, and then the Willet Four. So, so there was mm. a Willet Six. Oh, was, was it four. a six? Oh uh, shoot! Oh, I wish get this right. Okay, we should get this right, and also the- clearly we weren't paying enough attention for two big whiskey nerds. Well, especially me, but I was not paying enough attention uh, to the details. It, again, like I, it's it's only my second whiskey show, and so I'm not comfortable enough just like standing there and chatting yet, unless it's very clear that there's no one else that wants a turn. But I'm so, I'm maybe perhaps overly. A- push over at those things so like i'll get my pour and if there's no one around then i'll chat about it for mm-hmm. a bit but if someone's behind me i just sort of get out of the way and i should probably learn how to push back a little bit yeah no that's a that's a good point i i usually do that thing where you saw me at the that japanese whiskey booth i usually kind of just hang on around the side um where i can like ask the person questions as they're pouring without bugging them so i look for little gaps where i can ask them questions um i haven't been kicked out yet um which is great uh, it was the willet four-year-old uh whiskey that uh, i i thought was a little little mature a little yeah calm, you said it was a, a little, little soft it was a little soft i was um i was a little surprised I, you know willet's normally known for having all this flavor and um, and by the way, um, Will is a great example of a distillery that can just make really delicious whiskey that's incredibly young, um, where I don't think a lot of the, the distilleries are able to do it. So that Will at two-year-old is amazing. Um, the four, I, I got to say, the four was a little soft, um, but I feel about the Will at four the same way I feel about the Yamakaze 2013 share cast. Um, I don't, both those whiskeys probably are best enjoyed in a much more quieter environment where you're kind of step back away from the crowd and you could just, you know, you're not, you're not pacing towards the next pour. Um, I think both those whiskey probably needed a little bit more time. And I think that's a big, you know, it's not a big con, but as a con of the whiskey, uh, whiskey events is you're, you're going to likely lean towards very powerfully well-flavored whiskeys. And those whiskeys that might be incredible in a quiet, peaceful environment are probably not going to stand out. I would agree with that a hundred percent. And if me, if you're like me, sort of um, the the distraction factor and the crowd factor and all that stuff is also sort of going to impede a little bit on your ability to sort of really think about the whiskey and enjoy the whiskey. It's it's a social event um, and it's also a whiskey event, but it's just also a 
again, it's just me. I'm very sensitive to like sort of chaos and movement. I'm very easily distracted. I find it very hard to focus if I'm in a room full of people. So for me, it was definitely like, I think that I will continue to go to whiskey shows because I think it's a, it, they're good to go to. It's a really interesting evening. If you go for sort of the social aspect and the fun of it, um, then you can really, really have a good time. I find I f- sort of found that there was I just couldn't enjoy. I would enjoy the whiskey like, oh, that was delicious. Or, yes, I really like that. But I couldn't get much further than that. I couldn't really get into the whiskey and so for me that was kind of a con of the whole thing as well so um but i i mean i had a great time it's just if i'm gonna taste whiskey i'll probably taste it around a table with my friends uh and the reason why i go to whiskey shows is to try something different and sort of have an experience of the night it's that's just personal for me some people probably go and are able to really taste but I mean, I mean, some people were pretty gone by the end of the night, so I don't even know <laughs> how they would have remembered what they had the night before. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I've, um, I, I find the later on in the event, the more you go on instinct, um, because you're no longer going to be getting notes. You're no longer going to be getting all these, you know, complex notes. But if you drink enough whiskey, you are going to start developing an instinct for whiskey. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was at the, um, I was at the London whiskey show last year and I was only there for the one day. And this is one of those events where you should really do both days. Cause they have a lot of there's some like, I don't know, send out a spreadsheet like a few days before the whiskey event starts. And they have like something like five or 600 pours. Um, you know, and, and especially because we don't get a lot of these, uh, pours in North America. Um, it was, um, it was a big deal. I, I had to, you know, there's a lot of whiskeys I, I plan to try and I, I got to, I think I got to almost everything that I really wanted to try, but there was stuff that I just never heard of. And a good example of that was, um, uh, an Indian whiskey from uh, John Distilleries. It's called Paul John. And I, I, by the time I got there, I mean it was one of those things where like I needed to get a cab and I needed to go to the hotel room because it was it was just been it was been four hours of, of sampling a lot. Even though I was spitting, I mean whiskeys, <laughs> you, you can spit all you want. It's uh, the, it's forty percent plus. It's getting into your bloodstream. Um, and um. I remember tasting it. I'm like, wow, this is really delicious. This is so good. And I had like, because they come in three different, you know, levels, at least there. They had like a cast strength and, uh, and a couple of more that were, and all were really great. I, I appreciate it, especially like the cast strength one. But I, I remember being like, wow, this is really, really great. And then I was like, well, let me try this against something else. So I had something after that, which I thought was okay. And I'm like, I still think this is okay. So I went back, uh, got back to the hotel, and um, the next day I started checking and reading up online. And, you know, really well-rated whiskey. Um, uh, Paul John is uh, available uh, in the UK. It's apparently coming to Ontario at some point. It's coming to the U.S. later on in the year, give or take. Um, But really delicious whiskey, and I couldn't tell you why I liked it. I couldn't tell you what the notes were. I couldn't tell you what it smelled like. Um, I could probably remember it if i tasted it again but uh who knows the whole idea being is like sometimes at those towards the end of the event you just got to go based on instinct but you got to know yourself too right you just got to know what where you are in that and i wasn't quite sure where i was i you know what i actually really like that i like how you 
Yeah, because there is there seems to be a lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure to try things, remember them, remember our details and things like that. And I couldn't. And so I it feels better now that I know that I didn't really have to because I did feel like I was kind of going on instinct. It did feel like I was just sort of um, like, do you like this? Yes or no? It's sort of that's that's the question, and you get to have a conversation. Sometimes you get to talk to the uh, like brand ambassadors, or um, you know, sometimes the master distiller will be there, and that's fun too. So it's 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 a lot about tasting, but it's all like it's a lot about the experience as well. And like we brought along a friend who like he's a big whiskey guy, and he had the best time, and we just sort of it was it was a great event. It was it was really well organized actually. Um, I've been to another whiskey show that was like a little differently organized, but I kind of, I kind of like this one. I like the venue. Um, I'd go again for sure. Yeah. Um, Glenford Jameson was there from, uh, Whiskey Topic episode four. He was, uh, enjoying whiskey and rocking along with us there. Uh, we had a, I think the, um, it, it is nice going in a big group because especially for Spirit of Toronto where there are these really rare pours where you'll have booths that will pour whiskey until it's gone. And we're not talking, when we're talking about sp- special pours, we're not talking about like Glenlivet 18. We're talking about this kind of like that Weiser's super old or some of this Japanese whiskey where once the ball is gone, it's gone. Um, they, it's good to have a group of people because, because frankly, I would have not ever had that um, uh, the the rare release and this. I wouldn't have to have had a lot of those whiskeys because I was so focused on that Japanese booth. It occupied you know at least a couple of hours of my day, <laughs> and um, and yeah, so I was really glad to have other people that were like still had stuff around and would come upstairs or I'd meet them downstairs and we would try different things. Um, but on on another positive side of going to whiskey events, you can go alone. You can go alone. Absolutely. I saw a lot of people alone. And like sometimes even when you go in a group, you are alone. Like you sort of just separate and go if you find somewhere and stop and hang out, then your group moves on or everybody sort of splits up for a little while and nobody gets too hurt about it. So, uh, but you could definitely, it's definitely an event that you could go to and you'd probably actually be a lot more expedient doing the whole thing like you can go to well you've been to a whiskey show alone um but yeah you could definitely go alone and you would like still have people to talk to yeah absolutely i think the um uh i i usually do whiskey events alone um and i I (laughs) not anymore (laughs) (laughs) no no i convinced everybody to come with me now uh uh, no but i i usually do and i'm and it's pros and cons um I think in my email with the because we, so we had a group of about six people. I think in my email to six people, we're like, you know, let's meet up somewhere in the middle. But it's definitely an individual sport in a lot of ways. You're going to go off, you're going to find something, and you're going to report back to the group. And I, that worked out great. And I think that is the benefit of going with a group of people. But if you want to go by yourself, you can, and you'll 100%. have a great time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all in all, there is no real downside to a whiskey event at all. I I, I cannot see one. Um, I think. In for the most part, like the tickets for this one, I think were one hundred sixty-five dollars. There was a lot of food. There was always water everywhere you turned around. There was piles and piles of bottles of water. There Mm -hmm. was coffee. There was tea. Like in terms of what there was to sustain you, you really, you really didn't want for anything. If you wanted to be full, 
you had enough to eat like everything was good the layout it's a bit of a weird building um but in terms of like sheer like you know ro i return i'm not return on investment (laughs) i would say a hundred percent yes this this one for sure was was definitely worth it you do kind of want a one-stop shop for a couple hours like you don't want to have to go eat something you want to make sure that there's like lots of food lots of water lots of whiskey and i don't think you could go wrong yeah i think the the expense is a big deal because these events are this one was like you mentioned 160 dollars there's um a lot of these events cost at least a hundred dollars or more um i think you know there's a few regular events um that that typically happen and i think sometimes you can feel yourself growing out an event and by what that i mean is if you're new to the whiskey world and you go to your first whiskey event chances are everything there is going to be brand new and then you're not going to taste everything and then the second time you go to that event again there's going to be so much for you to taste and have um but by the third fourth five fifth time if you don't have you're going to start seeing oh well okay we get it it's been kind of the usual players it's kind of the usual group um, so there's those kind of whiskey events and they're usually around a hundred dollars and they're great, especially if you're new to the whiskey world. And they're also great if you just want to go out with friends and drink. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a fun event. Um, but then there's the events, um, where they're always going to have something a little different for you, a little more special. Um, and I mean that there's an event in Vegas, I think that costs something like 500 bucks. So you can kind of, you can go all the way up the stream. And I think spirit of Toronto is especially good because, um, there's always that booth that gives you whiskey that's not being presented by a marketing person or a distributor or a brand of whiskey. It's um, and I don't know how Spirit of Toronto does it. Uh, Joanne uh, on Single Minded on Twitter, um, somehow um, she brings in these bottlings that are have no marketing value, have no PR value. The value is that for the event specifically that you get to taste things that aren't normally there. Yes, she does that and because those drinks are there, other distilleries also bring stuff that you can't normally get anywhere else. So um, great on them and a great event in, uh, in Toronto. Yeah, I, I would go again next year. I will definitely go again next year. It's kind of a highlight actually, it was really good. Yeah, and I mean, if you live, uh, you know, like anywhere you live, Whiskey Live is a good event. It has a lot of popular uh, pours. Um, that and that whiskey live pretty much travels to any major city so um chances of our listening to this podcast you have a whiskey live within a few hours drive of where you are or, or flight i guess um but they do a lot of um but they do a lot of uh like the kind of big brands and uh very popular pours but especially good if you're new to whiskey or you're trying to expand your palate beyond the few few drinks that you have it's a it's a lot of fun get a hotel room if it's out of town and just stay overnight and and have a good time i would second that for sure do that that's a fun day it's a fun weekend have we talked enough about whiskey shows I think so. Well, let's let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the friends that get too drunk at a whiskey show. Oh, no. Obviously, it was neither of us. We're, no, I, I um, actually thought I thought that I would be. I thought that I would actually have had more to drink. I felt great the next day. I was like absolutely a hundred percent in great shape. Uh, but I think that there there. For for some, the the opportunity is just too sweet, and it's there. There's a couple of wobbly people leaving the uh, event, although less than I thought. Everybody mm-hmm. was pretty well behaved, and and a couple 
yeah, a couple of people got a little wobbly and stuff, but well, yeah, uh, Spirit, Spirit yeah. of Toronto is definitely the uh, classier event in Toronto. <laughs> uh, Whiskey Live can get a little, uh, <laughs> a little yeah. Well, well, let me ask you a question because you were you were like stone cold sober at a, an event that I went to earlier. <laughs> you were you were working the event. I was. Um, and I had a lot to drink that night. I have to say, there was, uh, <laughs> it was no. one of those, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there was a whole Belvini booth and, um, it was for a men's magazine. It was one of those events. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It was one of those events where you're like, um, not really what I want to be, not really my scene, but I was there with a buddy. We're having a good time. And we we're of course bugging Jamie every, about every hour would come by for a little bit. Um, and so how how did that feel? Because I feel like this is an important step, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I you were stone cold sober. Mm-hmm. I was pretty mm-hmm. toasty that mm-hmm. evening. Yeah, I you know it's totally a different experience working at an event like that and participating in an event like that. Um, I knew that when I was telling people about the whiskeys that I was pouring, uh, that they didn't really care. Maybe 5% of people cared. So I don't know if maybe working a whiskey show would have been a different experience. This was definitely not the crowd that cared about what cask this, you know, whiskey was finished in. You know, they wanted actually, they wanted to know what's the most expensive one. And can I buy this at the LCBO? That was, those are the two questions that I got. And then, but it was really interesting. Like somebody asked me to do a shot with them. I just sort of was like, actually this, this whiskey is not meant to be shot. (laughs) Um, I suggest you taste it and I'm working. (laughs) Like it just were, I'm just working. I'm just working and it's it is it does feel like work it's it's work it's work and I didn't feel bad for not um being able to participate it was it was actually kind of interesting to watch it from the outside to sort of you do become a little bit like scenery sometimes when you're in an event like that where either you're pouring or um you know you're working at a bar you just sort of like become a piece of the scenery. So at one point there was people just sort of having a conversation around me and I was in that their circle because that's where I, was, I had to stand and like nobody cared. And I was just like, I am literally, I may as well be this, you know, barrel right here or this stand filled with whiskey. Like nobody really pays that much attention to you. So, um, but I, I actually had a, I had a fine time there. It was, it was a very eye-opening experience. But I would do it again. I would, I would work at an event like that again. I, it actually felt great to sort of step over. Well, I didn't really have to step over anybody, but it kind of there, there's something that feels kind of fun about working the event and getting in the elevator with all these people who are like so gonna hurt tomorrow and just being <laughs> like, I'm gonna go home and eat a grilled cheese sandwich and go to bed. And there was something kind of fun about that. Has there ever been a podcast that we've had that you haven't mentioned going to bed? No. Why would there be? <laughs> I talk about it as much as possible. <laughs> you do. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that I, I agree. Like, so, and I think that's a nice, nice thing to mention is, um, you know, uh, when you do go to an event, 
Um, don't just stare down at the table and look at the drinks available. Um, interact with the person, not inappropriately. Be appropriate, guys. Yes, and be just, appropriate. You know, don't, don't be, you know, um, but uh, don't be that guy is I guess what I'm trying to say. Don't be that um, guy. Or that girl, you know, I mean, it goes both ways. Uh, but don't be that person, I guess. There, I've said this correctly. Mm-hmm. Um the um uh but but it's important to interact with the person and you know i mean if you don't care you don't care that's fine just get your drink and go <laughs> but it, but don't don't be overly fake either but just you know be nice and courteous um and and, and chat i think that's a, a big thing but i will say though um the one thing I, I i do think is important when you go to whiskey events is do get the most expensive drink first because that one is the one that's going to run out um you know, I mean, as the event goes on, like, I mean, you know, normally, so I'll give you an example. I was at that Japanese booth and like, oh, start at the right side and go to the left. And there's like eight different drinks. Yeah, I, I skipped number three, four. I'm like, five's running out. I'm getting five now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, yeah. We, we try to be metho- uh, methodical about this. But uh, when you're at an event, it is a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a shit show, I guess, best way to put it. And you do want to you do want to make sure you taste the better whiskey or at least the more expensive whiskey. Um, not necessarily the better whiskey, but certainly you want to make sure you get a taste of the rarer whiskey, the more harder to find whiskey. So, so that's not a bad question to ask, which is the most expensive. Um, I might've phrased it a little differently. Yep. Oh, so which is harder to find. Yes. Um, yes. You know. Which is the more, you know what? It didn't really matter. I was, we, you know, everybody knew how much each of them was and if you'd asked anybody that was working that night we all would have been able to tell you which one it was um i mean yeah ask the questions that uh because chances are the people that are working there actually know the answer and well maybe i don't know maybe it's just me i worked really hard to like (laughs) brush up on my single malt scotch knowledge before I worked at that event so um yeah but there for the most part there's if you're at a whiskey event if the people who aren't pouring for you if they don't immediately know the answer someone around them will know whether or not it's the person that has organized them or their brand ambassador or whoever um you'll be able to find your answer for the most part yeah, but yeah. Don't be afraid to ask questions and interact with people and and just enjoy. And ask them if there's anything under the table. It, it, you do. You, I I just always do. I'm just like, so what else are you pouring? Mm-hmm. I'm like, the, the good the, the good tip I say is like, I've had everything you have here. Do you have anything else? Very. And they very say no. Yeah. It is. And they say no. You have to. Um, you have to uh, recover and quickly go. Well, I really like the blah 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 eighteen. Why don't I just? Ha- why don't I have that? Because that's I really enjoy that drink. Boom, done. Done. And also, I mean, I think it also depends how busy the booth is. Because if the booth is busy, um, then they're not likely to pour anything you know that they have in high reserve. Um, uh, j- just because you know, you know, once that starts, if there's a large crowd, everybody's going to want that drink. And one other like small sort of building on what you said with the big crowds, one one little piece of etiquette that I would say that I learned from being at this show. Um, if you are there to ask all the questions about all the bottles and you've got a crowd around you, just do everyone a favor and, and don't. Like either tuck yourself <laughs> away like Mark does and like just ask them over their shoulder when they're pouring 
uh, or write down what you're drinking and see if you can find it online afterwards because I got stuck behind three guys that would stand there and talk about what whiskeys they were drinking and wait till they were finished and then they would put their hand out for another pour of the next one and so essentially they were hanging out at the bar except there was a lineup about 65 deep behind them that hadn't had a pour yet so gauge gauge like just maybe this is like the canadian everyone was very polite but it's just the the canadian in me was so outraged because i was one row behind them and i waited for 15 minutes to get my hands on a pour because they wanted to try everything in order and stand there and finish their drink and talk to the guy and finish their drink and talk to the guy and there was 65 70 people behind them just trying to get one pour so i mean i think it's just like just be aware just know if that was you at the back would you be happy with yourself like (laughs) yeah i I feel this is common sense that people either have or don't it's just that's actually true going back to overconsumption um very easy to overconsume. like i said i mentioned that london show i certainly had a lot to drink my my goal was oh i'm recognizing you know what time to go home and just you gotta go home when that little voice in your head says you know what you know there's no you know there's no um you know there's no shame in it like if you're drinking a lot of whiskey it's it is really hard to monitor consumption rates um in at a whiskey show but when you you feel yourself kind of getting to that point uh jump into a cab tell them where you're going i had a lot like you know that whiskey show in london i had a lot of trouble finding a cab i uh i was really annoyed at that i was like walking the streets trying to find a cab Walk, walk down the wrong street was like crap this is dark and dank and i don't know if i'm in a safe neighborhood i sneaked into a bar that was showing uh, a rugby game pretended i liked rugby for a while figured out which team to cheer for because that was really important i had to you know make sure to cheer for the right team and then when the game ended i'm like okay there's got to be cabs out there and then i stepped out and grabbed a cab and went went back to uh to the hotel so it's you know it's important to know your limits and important to um to be appropriate if you if you overconsume, just find the nearest pub <laughs> and lean up against the pole and just wait. <laughs> and don't crazy, order another drink. That's crazy. That's the funniest story ever. I love it. You're just like, here I am. I am a rugby person. <laughs> Only because I, I swear to God, I walk down the wrong street and I'm walking. Like, there's fewer and fewer oh, no. people. And I'm like... I don't feel safe. I just feel like it's dark. Oh. And then I saw a bar and I just walked in and they were playing rugby. So I know nothing about rugby, but you can, you can kind of watch. I don't know if you guys ever have been at a bar with uh, where there's a sporting event, but you can kind of tell when to cheer. So that was easy. <laughs> it was a little harder being drunk, but it was still relatively easy. <laughs> that is such a funny story. That is such a funny story. I don't even know. I, yeah. yeah I, I Proud moments of my life. I think it's it's up there. That's definitely overconsumption. Yeah. 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 So don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, do that. I'd like but... rather than turn around and walk back the way you came, you decided to just go into a bar. Like, Well, this is the problem. You're not making good decisions at this point. <laughs> you're walking and you're like, oh, crap. I don't know where I am. I better keep and... going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, the thing was I turned around and it was like pitch black. And I'm like... There's no lights on these streets. I was like in the middle of London. I don't even know where, but it was like there's no lights. There's barely any car traffic. Are you sure like... your eyes weren't just closed? Like, 
<laughs> Possibly. I'm just like, everything's dark. I can't see in front of me. So funny. That's so funny. So good. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I had a great time on Saturday, I think. Um, I think everyone else there did, too. It's It seemed like the sort of vibe was pretty positive and people were having a great time. So I guess, like, go to a whiskey show whenever one comes around or if there's one within an hour of you, like... Just do it. Yeah, a lot of fun. I think, you know, a lot of pros, right? You, yeah. You, you can go alone. You don't have to go with friends. It's a, it's funner with friends, but you don't have to go with friends. Um, I find, you know, whiskey crowd is, um, um, there's there's some people that have whis- a whiskey community around them, but I've, I find a lot of people that I talk to don't have a whiskey community around them. They, they are just, they are on their own and they enjoy whiskey, but a lot of their friends like wine or beer. Um, so, you know, you can go by yourself and it's not a big deal. There's enough friendly uh, people at the booths you can talk to about whiskey. Um, you don't have to feel awkward about drinking whiskey on your own. Um, and, um, you know, do what I do. Um, you know, a fifth drink in, pretend you're doing tasting notes on your phone, but meanwhile you're just texting people because at this point you're like, oh, um, I've had so much whiskey, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but no, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, trust your instincts. Definitely. I think that's a good point. Um, don't, um, you know, assume what you like. You're not going to do tasting notes. You're not going to do all this other stuff. Um, what you would do at home, but trust your instincts and, um, take, take notes of what you're enjoying. Yeah, take better then, notes than we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Take, and normally, you know what? Normally, um, normally I'm pretty good with the camera. So I'll just take photos with my phone of what I'm having. Um, and this time around the crowds were just so big. I, I had to like, you know, I, I was exactly doing your advice, Jamie. I was like grabbing my drink and I was getting out of there. Yeah. I didn't want to like slow everybody down. Yeah. Um, but if you can snap a shot of what you're having, great. Um, if you can just snap a shot of what you're having, make a note of it even better, uh, of what you're liking. Uh, that's, that's, those are some good tips. Um, it is, it is fun with the group as well. And, uh, yeah, and th- it's expensive, but I think if you're drinking whiskey, a hundred dollar ticket is probably within your budget yeah i would agree i would say just go for it and if you're you know if you're in the ontario area then mark and i will probably be there too so you can come find us <laughs> we'll yeah. be your whiskey friend <laughs> oh yeah spirit of toronto and that's uh it's it's uh, you meet a lot of people online that you haven't met before and that's that's always fun it's always fun having people come up to you or you come up to other people being like hey we follow each other on twitter yeah. but haven't met before so fun uh it's a lot of fun. It's 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 definitely. They're usually the best part about that is they're usually holding something in their hand that you haven't had, or vice versa, and you get to share. I think that's great. Uh, so, Mark, well, um, how are we doing for time? Maybe you should look at your Apple Watch. <laughs> that was a terrible. Segue. I know. <laughs> no. It was really bad. It was really bad. I tried. Oh. I tried. Oh, you tried. Um, yeah, did. the Apple Watch. Um, Do you love it? I do. It's gotten part of my life now. It's already already. Whoa. Wow. You know, you can you imagine your life without it now? I don't know. I think it's I've only had it for, I guess, a week now. So I guess I can like not wear it for a day and figure out whether my life is terrible or not. It it probably (laughs) will be just fine. You'll be fine. Um, Yeah, I'll probably survive. Um, I don't know. Working working from home a lot. I like the Apple Watch because I can leave my phone anywhere and I can still like answer text messages and um, do basic email and the stuff like that over the over the watch which is nice um, the Siri the voice recognition that works really well on that watch hmm. um, so like except for mistyping whiskey I 
you know, with the EY. I was going to say about Canadian whiskey. Oh. So what are the whiskey benefits to having an Apple watch? Actually, I really I have to say at the event, um, talk about benefits. It's really great because the one thing you can do is you can just like you get like if you get a text message, it like basically brushes or taps your, your wrist. Oh, my God. Uh, are you kidding me? No, no. So you and I were probably talking at some point. And I was getting a little tap, tap, tap on my wrist. Weird. Um, and you, when you like leave the conversation, you could always like look at your phone, or you can just look at your watch, and that message just appears on your on your screen. It says who it's from, and then it scrolls down to the text, and you can just kind of scroll through what you uh, through the message. Um, and and it actually for the whiskey event, it ended up being pretty useful because there was a bunch of us, and we were at different places, and so we. You know, we were getting like a lot of multiple people texts, and I was like, okay, I look at my watch, and literally, like Jamie's like, hey, I'm having this down here right now. Uh, this is where we're at, and I literally didn't have to look at my phone, didn't have to take my phone out of my pocket. Um, I could continue drinking my drink, and I could go and, and meet up with Jamie. So, it was pretty neat that way. I think it uh, it it served it served a role in that on that event especially. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it's, the um, the health aspects of it are good. It keeps track of how much you stand and how many calories you burn. Oh wow! And um, how many it, whiskeys uh, you drink? Always yeah. trying to bring it back to the whiskey. I feel like um, there's probably going to be an app for that eventually. <laughs> Every time you like crook your arm, like in a certain way. That'd be brilliant. How many drinks have you had? It'll like tap, 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 and be like, "Do you think you've had enough?" <laughs> That would be great. You're right, because it, it senses it's like a little bartender movement. on your wrist being like, I think you've had enough. I think you've well, had enough. Have, it just that like a little needle that just sticks into your arm says like test your alcohol level every few minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's for sure gonna happen. Or you just like breathe on it and it like registers your blood alcohol. That's very smart, actually. Wow. I think you've invented See? the uh, my business ideas are just like just flowing out of me. In this conversation alone, I've had two business ideas. <laughs> One of them was kind of half-assed. I didn't really, didn't really come to fruition. But hey, mm-hmm. uh, but this one, this one's good. You breathe on you your watch. Breathe on it's your like, watch, ah. and it registers, and it's just like, how hungover am I going to be tomorrow? Should I go to McDonald's? Like all these sort of mm-hmm. things. Very, very smart. I, I think that's brilliant. I think that works out pretty well. Siri, am I going to be okay tomorrow? Should be like, no, James, you are going to spend you're the done. whole day in bed. Good to know. Good to know. You're not going to wake up. You're not going to want to wake up early in the morning, comma, as usual. As usual. <laughs> so I think if I was going to uh, wrap up uh, kind of what we discussed uh, for whiskey events, I would say they're excellent. Um, they are expensive, but don't worry about it. It's usually probably within your budget if you're already buying whiskey. I uh, get to try a lot of whiskey. If you find that the whiskey event has whiskey you already know or have, you've probably just grown out of the event and that's fine. Uh, you can go alone and that's great. You can go with friends and that's awesome. And um, yeah, I think um, overall, fantastic. I don't think I have any other tips. Oh, right. Um, ask for the most expensive thing. Yeah, I would. Yeah. And just like, you know, just be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Make some don't new be friends, that you know, have a chat, but also there's a giant lineup behind you. Just like move to the side.